0: Today we have Dr. Luke Mulvihill with us all the way from the Marlebone Clinic in central London. He is originally an Aussie, so we've got a fair bit in common to chat about. Uh, He is from South Australia, came from an Aussie rules background, which kind of uh, he played his way through his university days and found himself in Sydney and worked a few years in Sydney before he moved over to the UK. So he's been here for numerous years. Uh, he ran a clinic in Crawley, I think it was, in Sussex for a decade. And so he's uh, learned all there is to learn about running a practice and caring for patients through that time. So yeah, we certainly delve into some history with Dr. Luke. Um you know, even the the history of the profession and sort of uh, get chatting about some philosophical constructs of how the pro- uh, profession developed over the years right back from the early 1900s. So hope you enjoy this. Luke's a great guy, great chiropractor. And uh, let's join the conversation now. Thanks. Here I am. Hi. We managed <laughs> to sort it out in the end. That's good. Sorry that's cool um i would have been disappointed if we hadn't been able to work out sort of how to do this because uh i was definitely looking forward to delving into the past with you mate seeing what you've been up to throughout your whole career so thanks for having me first up sorry to be so late to join (laughs) yeah yeah no worries um so i did a numerous couple of introductions of which now have just been deleted so um but that's cool as those that have been following this know i turn these into a podcast anyway so i'll probably trim off some of the technical stuff at the start there but uh luke malvahol chiropractor in malabone thank you for joining us today thank you for having me um anyway you're well i am well thank you yes very well are you in any way looking forward to Aussie Rules Football starting again this week?
1: Most definitely. It's been a, it's been a long time coming and I have missed it. Although I don't tend to watch that much anymore. Mm. Yes, sure. How about you? Okay.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, I'm kind of the same. You know, I think when you've been over here for such a long period of time, if you get out of it, then you just stop watching it, don't you? Still, I still follow it all, though. Just haven't watched any games, which is a shame. Now, this leads in nicely then to where are you from then and which footy team would you be following then?
1: Well, um, I was born in Adelaide. I'm South Australian. I uh, grew up in Adelaide um, playing Aussie rules football. So I supported the Norwood Footy Club in the SA NFL. was fortunate enough to play a few games with them back in the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, then went on to uh, concentrate a little bit more on studies, became uh, a Goodwood Saint in the Amateur League. And from there, moved up to Sydney to follow... Uh, well, chiropractic wasn't offered in Adelaide at the time, so you had to move to Melbourne or Sydney. Uh, I went to Sydney. I studied at Macquarie University for four years, got a master's degree. Um, Practised in, in Sydney for a while, in North Sydney. Um, My first
0: uh, associate position wasn't great. I didn't hang around for long. Hey, let me just stop you there. You've just flown through in about a minute. Okay. (laughs) Like 10 10 years (laughs) worth of uh, information there. Because I'd actually forgotten you, now you've said this, you reminded me about the fact that you were pursuing uh, pretty much a semi-professional footy career,
1: right? Yeah, that's right. Correct
0: or professional football career in Aussie well, yeah. rules.
1: Uh, you know, honestly, Craig, you know, I, if you'd ask me when I was 17, that's what I was going to do in my life. I was going to be a, an Aussie rules footballer.
0: Yeah. Uh, so
1: spent a lot of time training, preparing to be that. Uh, got to like a, a, the second year of a, of, a, of a contract and realized that actually I was doing a lot more training and a lot more uh, preparation than I was actually playing. So I uh took a back seat on that and decided that you need a career, not just uh a hobby.
0: And then yeah, followed the passion of, of chiropractic. And and then that I think allowed you to sort of carry on kind of amateur stuff, but well, uh, actually still get paid, but um play through your starting up of your chiro career, right?
1: Yeah, effectively. You know, without the, the money I earned from football I probably wouldn't have been able to be a chiropractor, paid for my paid for my uni, my tuition really. So you know, yeah. One sort of led to the other in a way. But I always wanted to have a job that was physical and sort of sport-related and health-related, um, and chiropractic is the one that you know I was passionate
0: about from the beginning, to be honest. So was there that pivotal point in, like, you know, an injury you had as a footballer or, or a person you met that actually sort of inspired you about the whole path of Cairo? Tell us that story. Um, the path of chiropractic,
1: I guess... I mean, there's been many sort of inspirational type chiropractic leaders along the way. Uh, I'd have to say the person who influenced me most would have been a guy called Jeff Keeler, who's a a South Australian chiropractor, St Agnes he was. And I ended up seeing him when I was about 11. Um, Hmm. Just started to get, I guess, serious about sports and uh, injured my back Um, and sort of didn't really know what to do about it initially. So, uh, we spent some time with, with doctors and uh, physiotherapists, and <coughs> even an orthopedic surgeon was consulted to, to, to see what they could do. And in the end, no one really had any answers other than don't play any more sport, you know, have, have a rest. Um, so, I got in a bit of trouble at school, lost, you know, got in a, all that energy that was expelled in sport, got put into messing about.
0: So, hang on, at the age of like 11, You were basically told, don't play sport, your back's knackered, that type of thing. Yeah, basically. Lower back. Yeah. uh, And they said rest is the answer.
1: Yeah. So an orthopedic surgeon offered to fuse my SI joints when I was about 12. Really? Yeah. Uh, And that's the only answer they had. So mum and dad said, well, that's, you know, that's a ridiculous option. What else can we do? And they said, well, you have to withdraw from sport and wait till your spine stabilizes, matures, um, or that, you know, you, there was one point that someone said that I could end up in a wheelchair if, if I, you know, kept playing. So these were all pretty uh, devastating things to hear as a kid. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So for about the next six months I didn't play any sport. I didn't, you know, I was playing basketball and cricket and tennis and everything every day, and suddenly I was doing none of it. So all that energy got channeled into uh, misbehaving somewhat. <laughs> uh, and it wasn't until my auntie um, – I say fortunately uh, had a car accident and got a whiplash injury hurt her neck and as a result of that went to a chiropractor who um, she well jeff the chiropractor he, he made it a compulsory that everybody came along to a healthcare class an education evening that he sponsored that sort of um, explained the concept of chiropractic to people that didn't know and you had to bring someone so my auntie brought my mum because she my scenario and uh, at the end of that, mum came home and said, oh, you got to go this, see this guy. He, he's the back specialist and let's go and see what he says. So he went in and he basically laughed at the diagnosis of, you know, uh, SI fusion, um, took an x-ray, um, did some analysis, and then I think two or three adjustments later, you know, I was in commas cured. You know, I could play, run, felt great, do everything. I mean, I had had, had relief from physios and things like that, but I would, I'd feel good for a couple of weeks and I'd just bend over and do my shoelaces up or I'd you know, reach for, catch something um, on reflex and I'd break down getting that sort of nerve pinch that we as chiropractors all know. Mm. Um, so it was a really up and down sort of scale. And then I saw this, saw Jeff and he adjusted me a couple of times and within a week, I guess, and I just felt stronger and
0: fitter and, like, it wasn't going to come back. Yeah. So, yeah. so was that the sort of thing that you, um, through the rest of your childhood then, were you one of these families or certainly uh, maybe yourself, just as you were so active, you just went along for a tune-up every now and then as a kid? Yeah, 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 basically. Yeah. And then the idea evolved that you maybe want might want to do that as a career at one point?
1: Yeah, look, I, I probably went there once a month or once fortnight for a while and then – just part of our family's sort of healthcare was a visit to the chiropractor. The whole family, my brother, sister, mum and dad, all went uh, all went along. And then I guess just through talking to Jeff, and he was a good guy, he was pretty relaxed, um, you know, he asked me what I wanted to do, and at that time it was more sort of physio or, you know, a doctor. Um, again, sports doctor, sports medicine more so because that's what I was really into. And he said, well, if you're into, you know, anatomy, physiology and the body, you should be a chiropractor. It's it's great. Here you go, read this book. So I think it was um, Chicken Soup for the Soul or one of those Cairo books that we've yeah, yeah. Around for around in the past. And I read it and it just made sense. And I was like, yeah, that's what I want to do. So yeah. from about, you know, 12 or 13, it was unwavering. That's That was the path. And there were a few hic- hiccups along the way in that, um, I was never really good at radiographic physics, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that sort of was a, was a hiccup. And then, I, as I say, I, I managed to play a lot of sport and study.
0: So, I, I hang on, So, did you do that thing though, where because the Sydney course had the first three years in Adelaide? Is that right? No,
1: no, no. Not when I okay. when I left school because I'm old.
0: Yeah, um, it was before that
1: started, so there was no carpet. Chiropr- you could do an undergraduate. Um, anatomy and physiology degree which is what i did and that then led into uh masters of chiropractic later on okay or could go to um rmit and do it like straight from school but yeah. i i again probably played too much sport in school and didn't get the grades at the end of year 12 to get straight into chiropractic so I kind of went the back
0: door through the science degree so you, you did a full three years of science so just like a, a first year
1: well, actually, for three years, yeah. I did three years of science. Um oh. I did three years of science over four years because of uh, a football career, trying to make the most of that. Um, okay. So, yeah, it was it was a bit more drawn out than the, the, the normal story, but I think at the end, there's a lot of life experience that came with being maybe a bit older or being
0: through a bit more by the time I got to uh, graduating. Okay. So... Okay, so Cairo School done. Um, Sydney experience was it a pretty good experience uh, as far as you your your education went? And, and uh, I guess if you are a bit older, it might have been still philosophically a little bit maybe better than the offering today. Do you think? Uh, I think
1: so. I think I graduated with a pretty ground, pretty strong grounding in the, the philosophy and the um, the science of chiropractic, but not necessarily the the practice of it. I, I don't know, and you probably ask a couple of the other guys, but I think it takes a couple of years to find your find your groove. Once you've graduated, you've got all this knowledge, you know what it's all about, but you don't necessarily know how to apply it all. There's a, yeah. there's a little experience that I think improves you as a practitioner the more cases and things that you see. So yeah, the first I guess six months I was pretty much in the dark, working for someone that gave me no tuition and no help, and just like me in a corner. Yeah. And from there, I uh, brushed out a bit and got into uh, a multidisciplinary practice. Okay. There was a physio, a couple of doctors, uh, myself and a, and a radiologist. i a podiatrist.
0: Was this in Sydney then?
1: Yeah, North Sydney. Yeah. Um, and that's then uh, the medical center sort of folded down. The doctors all moved out and my boss took over the lease. We had two chiropractors, a podiatrist and a, and a physio. And the other chiropractor left, which sort of left me there on on my lonesome with the other guys, uh, which meant I had two rooms to work out of. Um, So I was forever running from one room to the next, always running late. (laughs) Um, And that then, I guess, led to uh, me taking the doors off. I took the doors off so it was more of an open environment. Um, It's just less shocking when you have to open a door and someone's sitting there reading and you don't yeah, I remember Kramer from, um, from Seinfeld? How I, used
0: to I remember it. Kramer oh.
1: well. I felt like I was Kramer every day just bursting through these doors. So took them off and no one seemed to notice. And then that sort of led to more of an open plan type chiropractic experience, which has evolved through to kind
0: of the way I practice now, yeah. So how, uh, how long were you in Sydney for and then did you go straight from Sydney to the UK or how did that whole UK thing come about? Yeah, no, I
1: graduated in 2001 and I was in Sydney for four years' practice. Um, so I was living there obviously through the, through the chiropractic degree. Yeah. But I practiced in North Sydney. <coughs> I lived in Manly and uh, my wife and I got married and we were under, under 30 so we had the opportunity to, to come over on a two-year working visa
0: that sort of most Aussies tend to do so you met your wife in sydney uh even though she's irish right Uh,
1: we met adelaide before she moved to sydney to study drama and i moved to sydney to study chiropractic at the same time so
0: and you moved as a couple or not
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah Yeah. right so early days you guys were like childhood sweethearts sort of thing well yeah kind of been around for a while (laughs) <laughs> That's cool. I don't think I knew that either. And so she just happened to have, well, I, actually no. Was she she was living in Adelaide. Though. She kind of grew up in yeah. Adelaide. Her,
1: her family all emigrated out from Ireland. When she was about ten, so she'd been in Adelaide
0: uh, ten years or so by the time we met.
1: Yeah. And then we were together probably six months, and she left off to go to Sydney. She went before me. Yeah. Because um, I would stayed on for another year of her football contract, player. We did the, the long-distance thing for a bit and then I moved
0: up to Sydney for chiropractic and we sort of got back together and been there ever since. That's crazy because, you know, you obviously survived the long distance. You survived the, probably the starting up of your career and then um, uh, I assume she was getting into the acting thing in Sydney, yeah. um, which is probably a tough gig when you're straight out of school and doing all that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, I think everyone straight out of school, it's a tough act to, to sort of get up to speed but yeah, certainly there are some careers that are more difficult than others. I think. Wow. Yeah. So that was 2005. We left Sydney. Um, we had a had a goal to, well, travel the world a little bit, plant ourselves in different places, and just see where it went. And if it didn't last, we'd be sort of back home in Adelaide on the parents' couch, sort of no money, no jobs, nothing to do, start again, sort of thing. So it was a bit of a risk. And, and
0: so, was that driven by Cairo, or was that driven by more acting work, or what?
1: It's a bit of both, to be honest, Craig. Um, you know, at the time there were a lot of chiropractors in Australia. You know, it's like ten thousand or more, and I think I'm registered number two thousand five hundred and seventy-five in this country. Yeah. So I looked at it from a from a market perspective. In the in the supply and demand, there's more people here and less Cairo, so you know we just needed to get the message out. Uh, so it was a bit of both, to be honest. Neither of us had massive ties where we were. Um, so we just thought we'd put our lives in a suitcase for a while and see what it happens. Just so happens that was 15-odd years ago, and we're, we're still here.
0: So did you move straight into the Sussex practice then, or what did you do when you arrived?
1: Uh, when, I, when I first arrived, I sort of, we got here in July, and there wasn't a um, GCC, the, the chiropractic uh, a test of competence from the the Pactic council wasn't offered until I think it was September or something. Yeah. So I basically sat around for a few months studying for that, and I was working for um, a guy called Dave Elphick who ran Cairo Marketing. So he ran sort of spinal screens and uh, little pop up shops in in, in um, shopping malls and things like that to of promote the profession. And because I wasn't registered and allowed to actually practice, I. I got involved with him just to earn a bit of money and meet a few chiropractors. And then through that, I uh, got a job with the Back to Health Group. Okay. Um, so I was in Kingston for a while. And then, um, yeah, the, the the guy who was running that practice sort of sold it and I didn't really want to stick around. It was a bit much to travel. And at the same time, I had a friend who was offering a, a partnership in a, in a practice, sort of a bit more of an ownership role as opposed to just the... The, the associate so I jumped both feet took the plunge and and bought into uh, the West Sussex Chiropractic Clinic um the other partner of then sort of stepped away so kind of left me in control and I
0: ran that place for probably 10 years okay so uh, you've and you have you always lived in southeast London or moved around a bit uh southwest southeast yeah I
1: was in Clapham for a while and then okay. um
0: could never afford to buy a house
1: in Clapham, so we moved a little bit further east. Mm. Uh, but you're always south of the river.
0: Yeah. So, look, tell us a few things about what you learned in 10 years of running your own practice. Where do I start, mate? <laughs>
1: <laughs> what did I learn? Um, I learned that it's not an easy job to be the uh, practice owner, the practice manager, the, you know, the marketing manager, the payroll manager. Uh, all, all those things that uh you know they start off being fun and a great responsibility and a great challenge but in the end it was those things I guess that wore me down and want which is why I wanted to sell out and and, and sell that practice. Um also because I had young kids and I wanted to spend a little bit more time with them. So in the end of 2016 was it? 2017? Well no a few years ago now um yeah, before my little boy started school, I took a sabbatical, sold the practice, had a bit of time off. My theory was to hang out with the kids while they still liked me. Yeah. Um, and yes, yeah, spent about six or eight months just being at home, um, looking after the kids, supporting my wife. Her career had sort of taken off; she'd been off overseas doing different gigs. So I was home dad, which was which was a great experience. Um, and then yeah, met you guys. We're I mean, not always known.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it was, I think it was at the end of 2018 that we took over Marlborough or the Barclay clinic as it was in the time. And that must have been the time when you were like, yep, well, I'm ready to sort of step it up a little bit. And, um, you know, three years or so down the track, here we are. Yeah. I
1: mean, I'd always had a, a, a great respect for you guys. I'd always known about the Curry London group, particularly Putney. Um, you know, Edwina Waddell at the, at Putney was a good mate of mine. We went through university together. So uh, you guys had always kind of been on, on my radar. And then when you opened this place and I had uh, a couple of messages from, from Luke Brady and they come and check it out. And I guess after that sort of eight months off, I was a little bit itchy to start getting back to work. And I really wanted something central, central London-based, uh, yeah. or, or certainly closer than Crawley, West Sussex. Um, so, yeah, I went around and visited a couple of the car London practices and, and this one really just suits me perfectly. It's close to home, it's easy to get to. I love the atmosphere here. Yeah,
0: it's good. I really enjoy it. Uh, that's great. Um yeah, because it, it is an interesting one where you've kind of gone from and I think that's the thing that we kind of generally appreciate from you is that when you have done all those things that you mentioned um in running a practice, uh, I think when you then don't have to do all those things and you just turn up as a, like an associate of an existing practice and everyone else, or you know, we are taking care of the majority of that sort of stuff, yep. it certainly helps you um, get that little bit better perspective about things um, so yeah that's it's been I, nice from our perspective
1: I guess it it was uh it was difficult initially when i when I first joined um, with with lovely Laura uh, on on front desk in that. I kind of rolled in and I probably micromanaged. I was trying to bring what I had learnt across and rightly so, she sort of put me in my place and said, no, that's not your job. You're just here to be a good chiropractor, let the rest happen. So one of the things I had learnt is maybe to uh, step back a little bit from those things, but at the same time, I I really enjoy getting involved in that sort of stuff. I don't think you can be successful and be hands off
0: yeah, yeah. so
1: <laughs> well okay just it's going to close the door yeah that you Drew. all right sorry. Cool. pull on the
0: Yeah i don't know if it's not enough that drew is doing virtual shout outs and uh trying to get on the instagram has to actually walk in the building and try and get an actual shout out now right Um, (laughs) yeah um okay so that's yeah quite interesting isn't it so um now, well, look, you've also, one of the questions I did want to ask you is the um, the, the question around, you always struck me as someone who's quite, um, you know, I guess, respectful of the chiropractic history and maybe the philosophy of chiropractic as it's sort of in its uh, original form. Um, maybe have you got anything to share to the thousands of listeners uh, about chiropractic history and, and that sort of stuff?
1: What can I share? I mean I guess uh it took me a long time to I guess embrace some of the, the bigger philosophical aspects of, of of chiropractic. Having said that, that is really the the basis of all the things we have. We've got a lot of technology, there's a lot of science, there's you know um activators and drop piece tables and all sorts of other things, but actually the, the foundation fundamental principles you know of innate intelligence the body's inborn wisdom to heal itself um, all we need to do is support that and remove interference to that um, that is really the basics of sort of my interpretation of chiropractic philosophy uh, physical chemical and emotional health uh, we need to sort of support people in all those three aspects um, you know i went to a few um i would say kind of philosophical based uh seminars going back a few years now and really sat in the room and thought I knew I thought I was strong on philosophy, thought I really believed in what chiropractic was, and then saw some of the some of the other guys, some of the passion that they had, some of the explanations of what were I guess big ideas, big concepts brought down in simple terms. Actually Walked away from a couple of those conferences really um, confident in the chiropractic philosophy. Not the not so much the new stuff, the technology, but like Craig said, from from a historical perspective, back in the day, the guys just had their hands and their heads and their hearts, and adjusted with all three of those things switched on every time. That I think is what makes a bigger difference as opposed to just moving bones or cracking joints. If you mm. can actually be physically, chemically, emotionally present. You can actually help people in a in a far more effective way.
0: So maybe just expand on that. You know, if if you're say new to the concept of anything from innate intelligence and the body's ability to heal itself, how do you describe that to someone who has no idea? Give us your version of that. Um. So
1: when you cut yourself, like you first thing that happens is you bleed and then the blood clots and then the scar heals, right? You put a Band-Aid or a plaster on, as long as you keep that wound clean, it's going to heal, right? Well, you don't have to think about that consciously. It just happens. It's innate. It's inborn. Your body knows what to do to protect yourself from the outside environment in a way. So my interpretation of that is well, we need to actually just support the body in its own ability to do it. What's supposed to do, by removing interference. And we do that through interference to the nervous system. Um, Again, from a chiropractic philosophy, the nervous system is the control centre, the foundational uh, system in the body that makes everything work. So if there's stress or pressure on that system or there's a lack of communication in that system, we're not operating at our best. So that's our job. And I think you've got to be able to... uh, help people with that in mind, you know,
0: heart and hands and head all switched on at the same time. Because it's certainly very easy when someone comes in slightly broken, maybe they're in a bit of pain or whatever, for them to sort of be focusing in on, I just want to get rid of this pain, right? Mm. Um, And a lot of the time that sort of change is equated to the stuff that you did and that's what's the challenge, isn't it, sometimes, is to not get wrapped up in the fact that, yep, I'm the guy that fixed you, yeah, yeah. but reminding everyone that yeah, it's not, their body that did the work, right?
1: We're not magic
0: healers. We are
1: uh, facilitators to the magic that's within. You know, we, we can all heal ourselves, provided we're physically, chemically, emotionally positive. So, our job, I think, is to remove that blockage. And the patient's job or the, the client's job is the healing. They're the one doing the magic. The magic happens when they get off the bench and walk out, in a way, not when you know, we're, we're, we're making an
0: adjustment. Hmm. Good stuff on a Monday afternoon, first thing. Get your yeah, teeth stuck into that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> There's more, man. There's, there's a there's a bunch of great books by a guy called uh, B.J. Palmer and uh, Stevenson. I mean, they're written uh, in probably the 30s, 40s, maybe 1940s at the earliest, the latest. I mean, so some of the language in them actually is it's pretty old. It's pretty out there. And like, I think when I first read it, I was like, "This is just you know, it's a little bit like the Old Testament in some respects." Didn't seem relevant, but actually, the more I've learned, the more I've actually experienced chiropractic, the more
0: that Old Testament stuff actually makes a lot more sense. Mm. So, are you? Yeah, you did go through the process of that uni reading the green books, um, or one, year, one right after? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. I was given a couple as a present one year, and I just thought I'd get stuck into
0: them. Mm. So yeah. And, again,
1: and it's not, not like reading
0: no they're not easy to read are they no. and like you say it's, it's a language which is a little bit hard to sort of swallow because it's like um you know not particularly well joined but as you say so bj palmer was the son of dd D. palmer who's the founder of chiropractic sure. but then bj was the real thinker wasn't he who kind of like really kind of put pen to paper and and, and ideas together to sort of yeah. help form the profession
1: i think dd D- in my
0: mind interpretation he was the the founder of it he
1: understood something else was going on and and i think bj was the more scientist educator that actually was able to analyze it put a put a theory around it and then and then teach
0: it to other people Mm. so it'd be interesting to see what comes out of this whole sort of you know obviously lockdown even though obviously people will be listening to this amazing broadcast for tens decades um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Let's time stamp it and say um, we are just breaking out of the old pandemic. And you know, look, I really think that there's going to be a, a whole pile more time for people to focus in on their health as a priority, as opposed to just accepting that it's it's a low priority. You know? Yeah,
1: man. I mean, as chiropractors, we're all, I guess, in what I've just said philosophically our concept is the strength of the individual. And if we can improve the, the health and the strength of the individual, then there aren't that many bugs out there that can really do serious damage. Um, however, there are um, limitations, obviously, to that. But if if we're worried about the germs that are out there, um, as opposed to or preventing the germs from, from affecting us, the only way to do that is actually to improve the health, improve our own individual health. You yeah. It's not going anywhere. It's us, I guess.
0: Yeah. And then, look, there's no doubt there's a, a fair bit of uh, stats coming out at the moment of, you know, people who are at high risk are obviously have poorer health, you know, um, and you know, that's probably going to be the motivating factor for most people to kind of go, well, okay, I don't want to be one of those numbers. Um, I'm going to do all I can to actually get back to um, the best health I possibly can. So, you know, I, I'm going to rest I, more. I'm going to take more time for myself. Exo- obviously, everyone's been exercising like crazy. So, um, you know, um, yeah, just, just interesting to, to think about that. Hey? Um, yeah. And we
1: don't have all the answers as chiropractors there is no panacea for all heels but if we can reduce the stress on people's nervous systems have their bodies able to function at a higher level there are less uh, less damaging health effects associated with that
0: absolutely now you also like to go out and speak at people's workplaces and talk to them about office health, I guess, which is really quite interesting in this current time as well, that there are less people in their offices, um, but the home office is becoming quite important. But what, what sort of inspired you to sort of get out there and, uh, you know, talk to or sort of... Yeah,
1: I think um, one of my passions is, is, I guess, is posture. And it's certainly something that is, uh, is changeable and we do see, I think, huge improvements through, you know, chiropractic advice and chiropractic adjustments. Uh, I guess it came about from just an analysis of clients that I was seeing. So back in the day when I first started, I used to, I used to say that uh, my, my busiest day was always a Monday, and I'd say that the weekend warriors would come in and they'd be broken from gardening or sport or, you know, whatever it, whatever it was on, on the weekend. And I would have said probably seventy eighty percent 80% of that was sort of low back pain. Um, and then just through, I guess, you know, 10, I mean, i nearly 20 years as a chiropractor, but sort of uh, the statistics slowly changed such that more and more people were coming in with sort of neck and shoulder stuff than they were uh, low back things. I mean, not that we don't see low back issues, but I would say it's more of a 60-40 upper, upper spine than lower spine now. It used to be the other way around. Mm. And just through, I guess, investigating that and... Um, yeah, doing some, um, some posture analysis, um, seminars and things like that, it became pretty clear that our posture actually dictates the function of nervous system in some ways. So, I mean, for example, if we have a forward head carriage, which is what everyone does when they're you know, sitting at a laptop, that's our posture telling our physiology that we're running. So we're in flight. Um, when we round our shoulders forward, sit at a laptop, we're actually telling our, our postures, telling our physiology that we're fighting. So by just doing that posture, we're in fight or flight posturally, which is affecting the way our heart, lungs, nervous system is functioning. So in order to change the way people function and able to uh, heal, rest, repair... We need to be able to change them from a fight or flight sympathetic dominance perspective to a rest, digest, heal parasympathetic, or parasympathetic balance. Um, and to me, that is, I guess, seventy, eighty percent of the people certainly here because we are surrounded by offices and it is an office environment. But I guess most people work at a at a desk or at a laptop or a computer these days, so the statistics are skewed more towards that and. Getting out and about into people's offices and actually speaking to them on their terms I think makes a bigger difference than just me one-on-one in this room telling people sit up straight. You know? uh, I've got a big theory that if people know why they should do stuff, they're more likely to do it. You just tell them to do it, well,
0: they're not going to. So that's exactly what you say in your presentations uh, at the workplace, right? Is not, not just sort of saying, okay, well, this is how you need to set up your workplace and do the ergonomic sort of spiel. It's actually saying, okay, well, posture, which is poor, affects your health in this way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, part of it is obviously a desk set up and an ergonomics, and there's I've got a, we've got a little video there if anyone wants one. Email Craig and he can send it to you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, – it is really more about explaining to people the effects of posture, what posture can actually do uh, in a negative sense and a positive sense. And then if you empower people with the information, they're going to make better choices is, is kind of my theory. So it's very much uh,
0: here's what you can do. Do it all mm-hmm. day It's up to you. So what's the career uh, – sorry, the uh, the future of your career hold, uh, mate? Are you um... – It sounds like you're in the middle of just bringing your kids up in London like a lot of us. Um, What does the future hold for you? Um, That's a good question then. Um, You've had plenty of time to think about it recently, (laughs) like everyone. Well, like for me, the future is
1: just kind of getting out of the house and getting back to some semblance of normal sort of um, social activity, short term. I guess long term – i mean i'm not i'm not going there. i'm pretty
0: settled in london um Mm. i was going to ask you about the fact as to whether or not you missed the kind of like the barossa valley or that sort of stuff from from south australian perspective but i guess you kind of left south australia before you really got stuck into that sort of way of life right oh
1: no (laughs) mate you grow up in adelaide you you love that stuff to be honest with you um when I'm here, I look back there, I'm like, oh, gee, I wish I was living there. And when I go there and spend a, a Christmas there or a, a month holiday there, by the end of the two or three weeks, I'm like, okay, no, nah, I've got to get out of this place. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, the, the grass is always greener maybe,
0: you know. Now tell us a bit more about outside of Cairo land. What are you into? I know you're obviously a impassioned cyclist for the last <laughs> three weeks. Um... <laughs> yeah, I am now. <laughs> <laughs> How is the cycle commute going?
1: and um, you know what i'm i'm really enjoying it to be honest i can't i'm i'm not sure i'm going to be enjoying it you know through december january february cold wet and, and miserable but certainly i can get in and out of the clinic uh faster on my bike than i can on the tube so it's it's that's that's a bonus yeah it's a good a good bit of exercise so i'm really enjoying that um you know i love my sport still uh got involved coaching an uh, AFL Women's League here in London,
0: women's did team. You, did you really? Who are you coaching? I was coaching the Giants. And where are they from?
1: They are from uh, South East London, South East London Giants. Okay. So they train in, uh, in Peckham, which is not far from where I am. So I coach, coach them.
0: The Peckham Peck- Giants, look it out.
1: Yeah, South East London Giants. Um, yeah, I play uh, a bit of basketball. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm still, like I say, into all my sports. I've got a dog, um, I bought a collie that needs exercise every day. So, you
0: know, And how long have you had a border collie for? Know, I'm not sure if I knew. Oh, mate, my brother's got one. He's 12. So,
1: yeah, he's, wow. not, he's not long after we write, yeah. to be honest.
0: Yeah, you've got to uh, keep those guys out and about. So,
1: so yeah, outside, outside of Cairo, that's, that's kind of me. Um, you know, we travel a bit with, with my wife's career. She's quite busy, so we tend to sort of not holiday so much as go wherever, wherever she's filming to sort of hang out with her. So we've been really blessed in that we've seen lots of the world. Mm. Um, so travel is a big thing, but it's not, not so much every week
0: or or just holiday, but we get to get out of bed. Now... You didn't quite say who you do for. I assume you're an LA Crows man, are you?
1: Well, look, I am a Crows man, but they're starting to annoy me. <laughs> uh, they're doing
0: all the wrong things, Craig. Um, have Have they not had much success recently?
1: No, no. have. We made a, the the grand final 2017 and got smashed, and since then have done nothing. Um, you know, I, I'm a Crows fan. Um, I guess growing up in Adelaide. In, in the era that I was in, you're either a Port Adelaide fan or you're a, a Crows fan. Hmm. So, having played for the North Redlegs for a couple of years, um, Port Adelaide were our arch enemy. We sort of it's like Essendon Collingwood or Carlton Collingwood. Yeah. No love between the two. It can never be. So when um, when there was an AFL licence granted to Adelaide, the Port Adelaide wanted wanted it, and the Adelaide Crows wanted it. So I was always on the Crows bandwagon. Having said all that, uh, I now have, just through mm. playing alongside people, a lot more in common with the Port Adelaide 40 Club. So I know the, mm. uh, the media manager and, you know, assistant coaches and I've had more friends kind of go and play for Port Adelaide than ended up playing for the Crows. So as much as uh, my grandfather would be turning in his grave for, for me to mention it, these days um, either of the Adelaide teams
0: are my favourites. Right. See, I didn't. I didn't think that was actually allowed. I think you would have had to go for the, like the Swans or something from Sydney. You know, you just the last thing you can do is support both Adelaide teams, eh? Hey? Yeah. yeah I, I, this week, it's it's the first
1: week back. There is there's the showdown. It's the Crows versus Court. So <laughs> I, I, will I will be torn.
0: Brilliant. Well, you better watch that game. Now, are you a beer man or a wine man? Both. Give us your favourite beer. Ooh, favourite beer. I will
1: probably have to go to Cooper's sparkling ale.
0: Well, Cooper's—it's in your blood, I think, isn't yeah, it? It's, it's, it's
1: probably yeah, there was probably a, a certain period of my life where it was mostly my, my blood. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's all about the rehydration from the footy, though. I get it. So, um, and any problem getting a sparkling ale over here? No, you can get them in a few places. Yeah, you can get them. Yeah.
1: They're a lot more common
0: uh, than sort of the pale
1: ales or the, the the amber ales and things that Cooper's Brewery do produce. But Cooper's Brewery was just around the corner from, again, Nord Footy Club where I played, so they were one of our sponsors. Mm. Uh, for that reason, I guess I drank more of that beer than any other.
0: Good sponsor to have. Nice. Uh, are you a bookworm? Do you like a bit of a read?
1: I do like a bit of a read, actually. I'm currently
0: reading a Michael Jordan biography. Okay. One of my heroes. Um, Have you been tapping into The Last Dance as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm ready to watch it again. I've watched them
1: all once, so I'm going to go back and watch them all again.
0: Yeah, I'm sort of halfway. I'm just kind of uh, savouring it almost, you know, Um, because – Probably like you. Well, I'm a little bit older than you, but the um, that, that as an Aussie, you grew up kind of uh, following the Pistons and the Bulls, didn't you? No? Yeah. Um, uh, and to see Luke Longley there in that last, you know, the one that they basically focused that whole last season about, Luke yeah. was there in that team. So as an Aussie… Representative, yeah. Yeah, center. Um, so that was pretty phenomenal. But I also, I was old enough to sort of actually be still following the Detroit Pistons too, though. Um, uh, Although I didn't clock the fact that um, Dennis Rodman played for them as well. But anyway, that's another. Yeah,
1: he was in that team that they hated each other for a while.
0: Yeah, and then he ends up playing for the Bulls. But uh, anyway. um, I'd like to read Phil Jackson's book, actually. That'll be my next one. Yeah, what a a brain. Uh, Yeah, I I really enjoyed that episode of his where, you know, you follow his career as a player, you know, and then he sort of somehow was... I didn't realise that he was an assistant coach for years as well, you know, um, and did the hard yards, built himself right up to that point where then he got offered the position. Um, yeah, it's really yeah. interesting, isn't it?
1: I think actually his, his book would be really interesting. To, to be able to manage or lead, you know, Dennis Rodman, Scotty Pippen, Michael Jordan, there's some pretty strong personalities there. Yeah. To get them all to perform at their best at the right times, I think that there's some, some proper leadership there. I think that would be a good book to read.
0: Yeah, amazing, isn't it? You know, and and some, somehow, because I'm sure there are so many before and after that have actually been really talented but still humble enough to realise that he can't do it by himself, you know. I think he spent a few years trying to do it by himself and then it sort of clicked, didn't it? And he's yeah. like, Yeah, yeah, okay, we need more than just one. Um, you got a favourite health book that you sort of share around? Favourite health book? Uh,
1: I think everybody should read The SD Protocol by Wayne Todd. It's just basically what I was talking about before, the sympathetic dominance, meaning the the fight-or-flight system in our bodies, tends to override the rest, digest, heal when, we're, uh, when our nervous system is stressed. I think it's a really good read. It's broken down into pretty simple terminology, even though it's hardcore neurology that he's describing. I think that's a book that I'm certainly, I certainly like that one at the moment. Um, it's another good one.
0: Good. Give us your favourite Aussie band.
1: Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, going back a few years, Powderfinger. I love Powderfinger. Uh, Wolfmother's another good one. Who? Wolfmother. They're very much they're very much a Led Zeppelin sort of takeoff, but they're cool.
0: I'm gonna, definitely going to have to look into that one. I've never heard of Wolfmother.
1: Give them a Google.
0: Hmm. That's, yeah and uh, well let's round it up then mate by sort of asking you I've sort of asked this to a few others about what's the best bit of health advice you either give out or someone has given to you at one point that really resonated with you or that you like to share with others um, first thing to
1: pass your lips in the morning should be a glass of water nice uh, that and yeah, look, you, your brain, your spinal cord, your spinal nerves don't regenerate. They are the same ones you were born with. So like your teeth, man, go look after them. Simple as that.
0: That is a nice thing to round that off with then, man, I reckon. Um, we don't often treat our brain and nerves in the same fashion that we do our teeth, our skin, mm. or... Anything else, hey? Mm-hmm. that's it.
1: You only got one. Go look after it. It's simple.
0: Cool. Well, let's round it up, wind <laughs> it up. Anything else you wanted to sort of comment on, or talk about, or say? No.
1: Thanks for having me. And I guess I'm really enjoying listening to the other dudes talk. So hopefully, everyone's enjoyed a bit of the information shared here. And if you want more, then just email Craig. He's full of it.
0: <laughs> it's it's been quite uh a, a cool process really you know um you've probably heard that sort of thing that i said where i said i put you yeah, know six months ago i said i really should start up a podcast and just interview start by just interviewing all the docs in the team um and see where that takes us and you know i'm halfway through now we do have quite a few people on the team so it's But it's a nice little project to have on the go. So I'm glad you're enjoying it, man.
1: Thanks,
0: mate. Thanks for having me. All right. See you on the podcast soon. Bye, mate.
1: Bye-bye.